0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Digital Marketing Agency Builders podcast. In this show, we discuss the rapidly advancing digital marketing industry and how to grow a profitable marketing agency with some of the best minds in the space. Since 2015, Tyler Narducci has been building and scaling his own digital agency, helping businesses grow and market their services and products through online advertising. Now, he's helping other startup digital agencies launch and scale rapidly to six figures with the Done For You Agency Program. If you're interested in taking your agency to the next level and skip all those painful mistakes most have to make by learning directly from those killing it in the digital agency space, then apply now at dfy agency scale that's dfy-agency-program.com slash scale. There will be a clickable link in the podcast show notes below. Now, let's dive into today's episode.
1: Hey, everybody, it's your host here, Tyler Narducci. I'm super excited about this episode because this is actually going to be our very first crossover episode where I was actually recently interviewed on the All About Digital Marketing podcast by Travis Ketchum. He talks to me about my journey through digital marketing, growing my agency, starting the Done For You agency program, and how we help digital marketing freelancers and online entrepreneurs launch and scale digital marketing agencies through lead generation, contract team building, sales and everything in between it's going to be a great episode an awesome opportunity for you to learn a little bit more about me and the agency space hope you enjoy it
2: hey there welcome back to all about digital marketing today we have a special guest tyler narducci from the done for you agency program how's it going tyler
1: it's going well how about you
2: it's going great thanks so much for being here i really appreciate it
1: thanks for having me on
2: yeah. So do you want to give us kind of a, a quick rundown about, you know, what your business is and what you tend to do to to help people and we can kind of do, take a deeper dive from there?
1: Absolutely. So uh, I uh, am a digital marketing agency owner myself. I started my own digital agency uh, back in 2015, uh, grew that up from 2015 to uh, 2019 over the course of those four years. Uh, and then in 2019, I shifted to helping Entrepreneurs basically do what I did, but faster than I did it. Right, so I help uh, digital marketing agency owners, online freelancers, digital marketers, um, and, and new agency owners launch and scale their digital agencies.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, agencies are such a a wide field for people to be in. So I'm sure that you have kind of yeah. an unlimited, unlimited market. And especially you know with the you know the sort of feeling of the market changing right now, it's like people get kind of nervous about what to do next or how to scale their agencies or how to start an agency, uh,
1: it seems kind of like blue sky. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, I mean, a lot of people will say, Oh, it's saturated. But at the end of the day, like there are, you know, so many millions of businesses out there and they all need marketing and in 2022, they all need digital marketing. Right. So there's just so many, there's so much potential, um, that the work never dries up. Right. And there's not enough good agencies. I say, good. There's not enough good agencies out there, uh, to meet the demand. And so, you know, my mission really isn't to just crank out digital marketing agencies, but it's to make the industry better with good agencies, uh, that are providing great work, uh, that their clients love.
2: I think that's a really good point. Cause I think a lot of people that have hired agencies, you know, ourselves included it's, it seems like there's a lot of people that, you know, have a, have a shingle out front that says they do X, Y, Z, but when you hire them, it doesn't always turn out the way that things are promised, and you know, uh, you and I happen to work together, right, for for some stuff on on, on the email side of things. And um, off, uh, I'm sure you were skeptical even of our product, right? Like, does it do yeah. what it says on the ten? You know, and turning you turning someone into a true believer is such a powerful thing. I'm always amazed that so many agencies exist that don't really seem to fulfill like yeah. truly to the level that they're advertising. So. How do you guys take a look at an agency and try to help them understand, like, is this something that you can actually fulfill? Do you reposition stuff? Do you try to help them be better at what they do? I mean, like, what is, what is involved there and how do you sort of sort through that? Because it seems like that would be kind of a tough filter. Everyone says they do amazing stuff, but how do you actually get there or make them you know, more, more reliable at their fulfillment potentially?
1: totally so the secret sauce really that goes into it especially for a newer marketing agency owner is linking up with fulfillment partners uh and contractors that aren't so new uh at this and really have their processes and their fulfillment down right so a path that a lot of newer agency owners get stuck on is okay i want to start my agency and i'll kind of do everything all at once uh, I'll wear all the hats. I'm going to be my own lead gen team. I'm going to be my own sales team. I'm going to do all my own client work and all my own fulfillment. I'm going to, you know, close all the deals myself. And you really, you very quickly burn out. Um, and so one of the things that I help, you know, the agency owners that join the Dunfree Agency Program with is we partner them with expert fulfillment providers that um, you know, they're not really interested in going out and getting the clients themselves. They're not interested in the sales section. They're not interested in getting and generating leads. They are just really good at Google ads, Facebook ads, SEO, web builds, or whatever their specific thing is. They're just doing amazing. the work. <laughs> yeah. They're just amazing providers. Right. Um, and their pricing is really, um, you know, to be within our included in our pre-vetted contractor network for our agencies, their pricing has to be great. Uh, meaning it's a, it's white labeled pricing so that the agency owner can make profit on it, and then the quality has to be really good as well. So we we vet the contractors in our network for you know their quality and their pricing and of course their experience. So they need to have lots of white labeled case studies. So these newer agency owners can step into the into the ring, use those case studies, have that experience, and then as soon as they land their first few contracts you know, they have the confidence in their sales process because they know their contractors can provide. Uh, and then this beautiful thing happens when the contractors and the agency provides, right. And they, they have a great client um, and the client is happy. They refer that, you know, the agency to their friends and family, they get more clients and everyone is happy. So really the secret sauce is don't try and do it yourself and learn on your clients, uh, partner up with people who are really, really good at this and have already Pardon? been doing it.
2: I'm so happy to hear you say that because I can't count the number of times that I would see it like, you know, in the, and I'm going to pick on a little bit like the, the Funnels Facebook group is sort of notorious for this, where it's like, I just sold a $15,000 client on Facebook
1: ads. How do
2: I do Facebook ads? <laughs> and it's yeah,
1: like, it, and it's, it's so yeah. unethical, like it is so unethical to sell, you know, with the comp with, you know, and giving this false pretence that you can provide and then trying to figure it out or learn on paying clients. It's just not right. And you don't have to do that, right? Like there are so many great white label providers. Now I do understand that it is hard to find great white label partners that provide good work, come in at a good price, uh, have, have case studies ready to go from day one. Um, I realize that it will work with you on strategy and pitching your clients from, you know, all through the sales process. I realize that that is a difficult thing to come by, which is why it's a pillar of my program. Right. That's why it's one of the giant value propositions of my done for you agency program. You don't have to go out there and endlessly look for contractors that you can know, love and trust uh, with your clients. We have that ready to go for our agencies.
2: Yeah. I I would think that that's probably one of the biggest uphill battles. And that's how you get those situations where people are like, you know, guru XYZ told me you just go high ticket and you just, you know, (laughs) just go high
1: ticket. That's just like (laughs) such a, such a buzz line. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 I see why it's positioned that way in the marketplace, right? Because you can understand, like, y- you can walk someone to the math, and it's like, you know, it's it's almost as hard sometimes to sell a hundred dollar thing as it is to sell a ten thousand dollar thing. And so, you say if you want to acquire a customer, like, you know, you have better margins, yada yada. Like, I see how that becomes a seductive thing
1: for for someone to look at. Yeah. But if you can't fill it, like, you're a fraud. So. <laughs> right, and you're just churning and burning through clients, like you're, and you're not, you're not building long lasting relationships that are going to help your agency grow. Like you're just constantly trying to replace the one you just lost because they weren't happy with the product.
2: And that's assuming you can sleep at night with the ethical part
1: that we just <laughs> talked about of the
2: fact that you are selling something you can't actually fulfill,
1: so. 100%, but at the same, like, I don't even know. Like I have, I've been in the digital marketing agency space and like there are a lot of players of all different ethics out there and it's really sad. And like, that's why that even, that part didn't even cross my mind. Like. It's, There are a lot of people out there that can sleep at night, unfortunately, with that, right? And so (laughs) it's like, maybe we should just, instead of pushing that angle, it's more like, it's more like, it's not good for your agency. It's not good for the client. It's not good for ethics. uh, It just, you shouldn't do it at all.
2: Yeah. And then no one wants to be in a business that like every day you wake up, you feel like you're starting over.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, (laughs) it doesn't really make much sense. But if you, you can avoid all of that, like I said, by just linking up with contractors that, you know, are going to do great work, uh, from day one. And just don't even try. Don't even like, if you're going to be the agency owner, I always tell my, my clients that too, the agency owner is not the fulfillment provider. You're not, you're not your own ads team. And if you want to be in ads, that's fine. That's great. It's a great line of work. If you want to be in ads or you want to be in web dev, but that's not the agency owner role. So if you want to have an agency, then you need to learn how to be a CEO. You need to learn how to be the boss, uh, that, that, you know, manages the ads teams, that manages the sales team, that oversees the processes and operations and looks at the bottom line, looks at, you know, your your internal costs. That's the the agency owner's role, not the ads manager's role. So it's kind of like just choosing the path that you actually want to go on.
2: Hmm. Yeah, see, that brings up a really good point because I feel like a lot of people that they get into an agency their motivation isn't that they want to run Facebook ads, right? It isn't that they want to do the insert widget here. It's it's and correct me if I'm wrong, this is, this is your area that you work with. But like, you know, we end up with a lot of agencies and stuff using our software and stuff over the years. And um, it usually feels like people that want to do an agency want to do it because they enjoy uh, the the freedom that comes with like having some control over when they work, who they work with, that kind of thing. And then it also comes from just the desire to own and operate a business as more of a managerial role, right, that you've created for yourself, as opposed to wanting to do every little, you know, flip of the switch and whatever else for fulfillment, because that may not be where their passion is. Even if it's something that they understand and they could be good at, it's probably not the reason they started an agency in the first place. Is that
1: correct? That's correct. I think, you know, there's there's just a few paths you could take like many people and there's absolutely nothing wrong with this. In fact, many of our, like our actual white label providers and our, our, you know, pre-vetted contractor network are freelancers. They're amazing, incredible freelancers, right? And there's the freelancer path where you are going to kind of, you're not going to have a big operation. You're going to be capped at your own daily 24 hour max capacity that you can hold. Um, You know, you'll be able to pay your bills. You can have a nice life. You can have the freedom of not answering to anybody or going into an office, which is such a beautiful thing. Like I, at this stage in my life, I can't even fathom (laughs) having to go back into a nine to five, right? And a freelancer path, they, you break free of all those chains that, you know, the regular rat race that everyone's trying to escape. So it's a, it's an awesome path but it has many many limitations but if you like the fulfillment if you're not you know super focused on growth you're all right with paying your bills you want the freedom great path if you want more if you want more than that that's not enough if you do want you do want growth you do want to see you know six seven digit possible futures then you're going to need to step out of fulfillment you're going to need to step out of the the freelancer role and we work with a lot of digital marketing freelancers that are like all right I'm ready to step up in my business and get out from under it because they feel like they're a little trapped there. Um, and then we have to deal with a lot of, um, but no one can do it better than me. You know, I'm doing it really well. And, you know, I, these clients are really special to me and they're my bread and butter. And if I hire this person, they don't do so well, you know? And so there's all those types of transitional things that we deal with a lot, but, um, but yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of a, a two path you have to take. Neither one's wrong but they are very different.
2: Yeah, there, there's two things that stick out to me from that particular piece. One is, um, you know, a freelancer is basically a job you have control over as opposed to uh, like a, a, a quote unquote business, business per se, Yeah, right? Because a business is something that should be a sellable asset, in my opinion. Like it should have value to someone mm. else. And I think it's easy as someone who did this at one stage of my life for a brief period of time, to delude yourself as a freelancer that you are a business and a sellable asset, but no, you're, you're a person, you're a hireable asset, but you're not a sellable one. And that's a very different delineation. And the second component about like, I totally understand. I think this is a, a general entrepreneur fear of like, no one can do X, Y, Z as well as me. Right? Like, so for me, that's like deliverability management, right? Like yeah, making sure email absolutely pops and hits the inbox. Like I've spent a lot of time, money, hours, you know, effort to create a system that can do that. But like, I still have this fear oftentimes of like, well, you know, as someone, you know, like I think you said your experience was like 20% to 60% open rates, right? It's like, I have this fear, like if someone only got 20 to 50, are they not going to be as wild? Like, are they not going to be as invested in the relationships? Like, no dummy, but if you can do, you know, 20 to 50 and you can do it for, a million people instead of a small subset, that's a more valuable thing. And so I think about like, the same is true of sales process or support or whatever. It's that you don't need one person to replace your output necessarily. If you can get five people to do it half as well, you've still increased your output, increased your success rate. And that's such a hard thing for entrepreneurs to let go of. I mean, you're down the path. You probably still struggle with it to some degree, I'm sure.
1: Oh yeah. I actually, um, one thing that I did not personally let go of until I would say, um, late last year. Um, so almost a year ago now is when I fully let go of it. But I mean, I had had my agency since 2015. So I held on to this with a death grip, um, for six years. And I just started seeing because my own attention was getting pulled in so many other directions, but I, I held its death grip on managing my own ads for my own agency uh, and the and the program as well. So we run a lot of ads for the program to get applications in and 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 have people booked in uh, to speak with us. And I've been running running that myself for you know as long as we've been around. And my attention was just getting pulled in so many different directions that the quality, um, the cost per uh, you know per lead, and was that going up and everything. And so I was just like. Um, should have brought in a professional ad team. I literally teach this all day, every day, and I still had a death grip on it. And I finally let it go. Uh, brought in an ad team. Best thing I ever did. They've been amazing. They've done so well. Um, and you know, it was just one of those things that your ego is in the way, and you're like, you know, I, I nobody can do it better than me. So I kind of, I know, I know exactly how it is for a lot of agency owners, and I tell them, just expect, just fully expect a dip like if you're just ready for a dip in performance but that it will pick back up that they will get the hang of it and they will eventually if you hire the right person be better than you were then you understand that even if it is a dip the time and freedom that you're giving yourself by stepping out of that process is going to allow you to grow the business so much faster
2: yeah and i think that's a perfect example i'm so glad that you you shared that story you know cuz cuz as you said you, you taught that right and that's it's so often, you know, the, the, the term, you know, it's like the, the cobbler's kids have no shoes, right? Cause is a, a, a shoemaker. It's, yeah. it's, it's so often true. It's like, you know, it works. You do it day in and day out for everyone else. And it's, it's similar to like, you know, wh- when we have a problem in our business, it's really hard for us to look at it and come with a creative solution to get out of it. But you look at someone else's businesses because you're looking at it from a fresh perspective, fresh eyes. It's glaringly obvious usually what the problem is, right? Yeah. And so- Trying to have that self-reflection is is a big piece of it and and being able to let go. Because that's where the growth happens, right? Because you're you're letting someone else take over. And eventually, like you said, it should exceed. But the other thing, too, is, I guess, setting expectations, right? Like, if you expect a dip, anything above that is gravy.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And also, but, like, when you do kind of let go of the process, like, not micromanaging them, like, letting them kind of you know, really own the process and really own what you were doing and, and, and allowing them that autonomy to be better than you were is really important.
2: For sure. So since you tend to work with a lot of people, would you say it's fair to say it's a lot of freelancers that are trying to make that jump? Or is it people that are looking to start an agency for the first time? Which, which one of those two cases is more common?
1: Um, we have a lot of freelancers that are looking to make that jump we also have a lot of people i mean it, the three main uh people that we work with are going to be freelancers looking to make the jump people who are starting out from scratch they're like the online entrepreneurs that see the opportunity in the market and then the third is existing digital agency owners that are stuck and they're not they're not scaling their systems aren't down uh, pat so they need help you know installing a more proven system to to scale those are kind of the three core types we okay. work with
2: so what, what, what kind of decisions does let's say the freelancer have to make, um, or like what kind of questions and conclusions do they need to come to where they say, yep, this is definitely like, I'm, I'm ready to make the jump. Like this tells me I should make the jump. What are those key questions that you would ask someone that was in that freelancer position? Cause it, I assume it's not for everyone. Cause like you said, some people may really enjoy the, the full creative control and they're happy with whatever ceiling they've found, because there's going to they're going to find one that's not a slight that's a natural evolution. What would you tell someone to help them work through that? Should I or shouldn't I make that kind of next step?
1: Yeah. So first and foremost is, am I happy with my current growth? Right. Am I am I where I want to be right now? And if I'm and if I'm not where I want to be, am I going to be there without some type of change in what we're doing, right? Like, I feel like in a lot of sales processes, you'll be talking to the client, and this is for agencies talking to their businesses that they're helping as well. Like, across all sales processes, there will be this weird pushback from the prospect on, oh, no, but I'm kind of good there. Like, I'm kind of good there. Like, I don't really need that. And then you're like, oh, you, you are? Okay. So, why are we actually on this call? Right, because this most of them are inbound calls. Like they knew there was a problem. That's why they saw your ad. They booked in to speak with you because there's a problem that needs to be solved. Right, and then there's this natural gut thing that happens on calls where they push back and like, "Oh no, I'm okay. Are you sure you're okay? Why why are we actually on this call? And what what made you book in the call is a good is a good place to go next and that process um, to kind of dig a little bit deeper on that. But once you finally get to the point where yes, I'm not happy where I am. I do want more growth. Then in terms of my program the next questions go into more of the three the big three i call them the our big three so the big three things that we solve in the done for you agency program are lead generation so are you getting leads and are they are they steady are they high ticket are they quality leads um that's the first question consistent
2: qualified are probably the biggest pain points yeah
1: (laughs) consistent and qualified leads are you getting that if you're not okay there's an issue that needs to be solved one of the main things that we do is we install agency lead generation systems so that they can get consistent quality leads okay the second one would be uh who's doing the fulfillment in your agency right and then that kind of goes back to our, our conversation earlier is it you and do you know what you're doing uh or is it someone else and how are they doing is the question um and oftentimes you know if it's someone that's brand new it's no one's doing it yet and i didn't have the plan for that yet Right. So we may be talking to someone pre that ClickFunnels group post, <laughs> right? Which is a great thing. If we can catch somebody before it gets to that point, then fantastic. And to and be clear, third... I'm
2: not trying to like totally tear anyone down about the group thing. I just, I just see the same thing and it's like, oh man, please just, you know, get
1: uh, yeah, no, 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 no. in all. And in fact, I'm actually a huge ClickFunnels fan. I love ClickFunnels to death. Uh, but I get the, what you're talking about with like the entrepreneurial uh, community. And then the third, the third bucket. So we have we, we do lead generation. We do fulfillment with expert contractors. And our third bucket that we help people with is sales. If you're getting leads, if you are able to fulfill, are you converting your leads into deals? And if the answer is no, then we have another problem. If you can get all, if all those three things are yes, happy with my growth, have have plenty of leads, I'm fulfilling, and we're sale we're selling, then it's probably not a best fit for us. Like you're doing good, keep it up. Right. Uh, but if you're not, if one of those three, three things is not, you know, a yes, then there's a, there's a problem in the system and then our program can help out.
2: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think it sort of boils down to the real thing. Like, do you have the systems in place to get growth if that's what you desire? Right. Cause if, if right. the answer is you don't really want growth and you're happy, then like you said, like, why are you on the, why are you on the call kind of thing? Right. Like keep, keep rocking, you know, keep, keep doing, yeah. that, that's totally <laughs> exactly. fine. But, you, but if you're interested in growth I totally agree those three things make a lot of sense on the pipeline about
1: if any one of those three things is broken you're not going then gonna it doesn't lose. work right yeah. <laughs> you have to have you have to have all three if you don't it's not going anywhere for sure I'm sure there's all kinds of car analogies you could use about not having gas or being in the right gear or whatever <laughs> yeah oh, there's a, there's a million analogies and it's 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 really frustrating for a lot of agency owners because you know, I've talked to agency owners across the whole spectrum they i've talked to agency owners who are incredible closers like they could sell anything but they don't have any leads they have no one to sell to it's a really sad story same thing with uh tons of leads but can't sell anything to anyone that's very common um as well Uh, and then of course you know no leads there's (laughs) <laughs> there's yeah. that's not going anywhere. So, yeah. oh, wait, no, there will be the fulfillment. Uh, no fulfillment. Yeah. yeah. So, and then of course there would be, you know, the one we talked about earlier where they're trying to do it themselves and it's not <laughs> working out.
2: Because they don't have the skill set, perhaps. And, and that's, that's fine, but there's lots of people that do that. Like you said, they aren't interested in the, the minutiae of right. uh, the prospecting or the closing or the, even necessarily the support. They just want to, they want to do the thing. Right. <laughs> and they yeah. want to get paid for it. Yeah. Okay. And then um for the agencies that are that are looking to scale, I guess it's really still the same three questions. What is the most common thing that you think is stalling out an agency? Like where where are they most commonly hitting a ceiling and not able to to grow beyond a certain point?
1: Um generally that those two those two stalling points are going to be on lead gen or fulfillment. Either they are, you know, selling and they're getting leads, but like their team is maxed out and they're trying to hire and train, but they're not able to do that fast enough and also retain their help uh, long enough for them to continually grow. And so that, that continues to be a, a big point for a lot of agencies. And then also on the lead gen side, if they do have, you know, access to more like expandable teams, quickly expandable teams, like we have, then I find that a lot of agencies, a ton of agencies bang their head against the wall on lead gen, which is really ironic because one of the biggest things that agencies do for their clients is provide them leads. <laughs> uh, and you find a ton of agencies have have big struggles on getting leads for themselves.
2: Right back to the cobbler's kids have no shoes all over. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. So I would say the two biggest sellout points are going to be on fulfillment and and lead generation as well.
2: Yeah, because i guess if you're at a certain level with an agency you probably are pretty good at closing right like yeah it usually just comes to bandwidth of the team
1: or inflow just you need that balance. right right and it's so sad when you see an agency that has a ton of like really qualified cool leads, but they just don't have the capacity to bring them on and it's like oh because you can close them You have them they want to join and you cannot fulfill because you just don't have the the capacity right i also see a lot of agencies that i personally find that they have set themselves up wrong like they so my my like tried and true way that i i fully believe is the best way for an agency to grow uh you know more grassroots style is to partner up with contractors, white label fulfillment providers and grow that way. Cause it gives you that, that expandable resource that you can give a per project to. And the beauty of it is you don't have to pay them until the client pays you. So they're Mm -hmm. completely covered. There's no upfront costs where some agencies, they try to do it in this, in the same way that other business models are built uh, outside of the agency world. So they want to hire an account manager. They want to hire an ads Mm -hmm. person and they're Mm -hmm. paying salaries that they may not be able to pay yet. Because they don't have the clients yet. And then they're scrambling to close deals and get those leads in the door to pay for these assets that they, or sorry, sorry, assets, liabilities that they put in their business, um, prematurely. Right. So that's a problem too.
2: I mean, that's great if you're a VC funded startup, right. It's like, you just want to build for the growth that you think is going to come, right. Like
1: field of dreams style. (laughs) Yeah. But the beauty of the agency model is you don't have to do that. Like you almost you can bootstrap this business model so well, and you don't have to pay people until you have the clients in place to, to, to pay for them. Now you do need to take the time out and either join a program like mine who's gonna give you access to these people so you can meet them, have the confidence, build your team out and have them ready to go. Because I wouldn't recommend that you go out and sell a package and then scramble to go find that fulfillment team either. You need to have those I, people it might in take place. too
2: long you know yeah you know, haven't have time to vet them whatever and then the person who paid you is like dude it's
1: been two weeks exactly you started? <laughs> exactly so you never want to be in that position either even if you are following the the white label path you want to have those white label people in place ready to go i'll call you when we close the deal right i know what the pricing is i know how the onboarding goes and i'm ready to go from day one um that's why you know it's it's the first step really
2: Plus, you need to have an idea of what your costs are going to be up front so that you price it appropriately for the for the sale, right? Because if you think, oh, I'm pretty sure that someone will do this for, let's say, two grand and I can charge four and then you go to, to have them do it and the real costs
1: are five. Well, uh-oh. <laughs> and, I've, and I've seen that and it, it's wild to me. I'm like, why wouldn't you go just take the time? And, and people don't realize like these freelancers and the white label providers, they're more than happy. To sit and talk with you share their pricing get you know work partner with you give you their case studies so that you can use them of course not using the actual business names like their white labeled case studies so that you can bring them work because what a sweet gig for them they don't have to pay for any marketing they don't have to close any leads they don't have to generate any leads they just get work coming from you it's an amazing gig for them right so they're happy to sit with you and and meet with you and, and partner up with you prior to you bringing in those leads but you need to have that actual conversation
2: yeah, build out the framework. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and from the service providers, you know, point of view, like you said, it's a pretty sweet gig. It's it's basically cost of acquisition of zero, right? Because you're like, this is our price. You yeah. Know, take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. And if you bring someone, you know what the price is. It's, we're not here to haggle. It's just like this is the deal. And
1: you should go with charge more than this. <laughs> one of the things so one of the ways that we keep our pre-vetted contractor network for our agencies so strong is we're constantly recruiting and vetting people for it at all times and we're also taking we also take um, requests, like special requests from our actual agency members of, Hey, you know, I had this project, I need this type of freelancer or contractor, and they're not on the list. i not found one, but I didn't really like their pricing or, or whatever it is. We'll go out and recruit another one just to add more in that niche or whatever that they're looking for. So we'll take special requests from our actual agency members, but we also, we also have a cold email campaign going out at all times where we, we do a lot of cold email outreach and our pitch in the cold email outreach is actually not for the program. Our pitch in our cold email outreach is to be a member of our pre-vetted network. And we target freelancers and digital marketers, and they respond positively in droves. It's a very successful cold email campaign, because if you're a digital marketer, SEO specialist, and you get an email that says, you know, Hey, we have a program where we would like, you know, to vet you to possibly get a bunch of work from all of our agencies. Is that something you'd be interested in? And if we get a ton of positive responses from that, we vet them to go on the list. And then we also ask them, hey, now that you're on the list, you're gonna get some white label work. Are you also interested in possibly starting your own agency and growing out of freelancer, you know, the freelancer space? And that's also very successful as well. So it's like this really cool ecosystem that we're building up.
2: Yeah, that's, that's fascinating because it's, it's a two-sided marketplace, right? And yeah. th- those are always interesting to me. So. My my previous software platform was a contest platform called Contest Domination, which actually just sold at the beginning of the month nice. uh, after uh, a little over eleven years. <laughs> wow! Uh, and and one of one of the case studies that we had there was a two sided marketplace, and I always find it interesting how businesses fill that right because you have very different constraints about how you acquire, a, say, a service provider. Versus, say, a buyer, right? And so, like th- this one in particular, it was it was a marketplace that matched uh, wedding photographers with people that need wedding photographers, right? And so, it's like, how do you find photographers? And like, there's a whole strategy there. They like casted a wide net. They actually gave away really nice cameras. They had them answer a questionnaire: What kind of photographer are you? Right? I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm an amateur, intermediate, professional, and professional wedding, right? And so then they could still monetize the other data, but then professional wedding would didn't get the pitch after entering Mm. about, hey, we actually have this marketplace where you can then get hooked up with people that are, you know, getting married. And then they'd run also contests about, you know, enter to win, uh, you know, David's bridal gift cards and that kind of stuff. People that are in that, because it's such a a time sensitive thing, right? For them, it was like, how do you match people that are getting married right now? Because as soon as they're married, it's game over, right? Like (laughs) they don't need your services anymore. So it's just a very complex marketing problem. And it took a lot of scale to get it filled. And so those, those kind of problems have always stuck out to me as a really interesting thing. And I think your approach of saying, Hey, we've got business we want to send you is, is fantastic. Um, I'm assuming you may have worked a little bit with, with Mike Mark on that. Uh, probably, I don't know. But.
1: Uh, I actually told him about, it. I mean, yeah, we, we did talk, <laughs> we were working on that a little bit. And then I told him about, uh, the, the strategy. He loved that. He loved the pitch. Uh, so it was, it's, it's been a really cool, it's been a really cool angle. Um, rather than just like trying to sell your services up front, it, it goes back to, What a lot of digital marketers and, you know, the gurus talk about, which is leading with value and, you know, leading with, hey, I want to bring you work first and then saying, hey, do you want to build more up, you know, your own business even further? Second, uh, it's a much smoother uh, pitch than, you know, just leading with, hey, do you want to join the program?
2: For sure. Yeah. I mean... I can't count the number of cold emails I got that it's like, I'm an XYZ developer and I would, you know, love to do mobile development for you or something, and here's my prices. And it's like, I'm never in a million years going to respond to that. And, you know, it's yeah. I,
1: <laughs> yeah. You know,
2: it, at best if we happen to be hiring, I say, here's a link, you can go apply for our coding test, but um it's mostly it's just delete, right? Because it's there's nothing there for value for me as a recipient about What does that do for my business you're just basically saying will you please pay me some money thanks yeah
1: (laughs) i had one pitch from and i could tell he was a really young guy like he he was he was young but he was like super hungry and he was uh, a video editor and he he saw my ads and he wanted to create for me a new ad and he he sent me a cold email where he pitched you know the scene the setting how it would work and everything and i read through it and it was and he was just like um and i'll only charge you like three hundred dollars for it and so it was just like it was really low and he was going to use professional equipment he just really wanted uh the foot in the door kind of thing and i was like yeah okay let's go for it and I, it was one of the only times that i just responded back to cold email i was like sure show me what you got send me the invoice and and let's see it." and it turned out really good i was like i was really impressed I'm like wow this kid this kid really knows what he was doing um, and I'll, I'll definitely, you know, be giving him some more work and, and, and building more video ads with them. But, you know, it's rare. It's rare that those come through.
2: Yeah. But it, it, but it has to grab you right at the beginning. Right. And like, he obviously had a compelling thing about what he wanted to do. Usually it's just like, yeah. Hey, I would it love to make a, a video ad email. for you. It's $300. And it's, yeah. no, he like probably brought you through a whole storyline and you can visualize it and understand it and, it. and he put effort into thinking it through, right. That's the yeah. thing that's usually missing from cold emails. It's, there's. There's no effort in thinking it through as far as how it's going to be useful what it's going to look like how it's going to be and that it was customized truly customized to you as the business that they're trying to pitch that's such a missing piece
1: yeah there's i mean you can do mass cold email but if you're going to do mass cold email you really need to have something that's going to grab people like a strong offer but if you do you, you can do more laser targeted email Kind of like what he was doing and you know in my program i talk to our agencies about you know different ways that you can do email we talk about you know masculine email but we also talk about um, more one-to-one and i i tell them you know do a loom create a one minute loom with you talking over the person's actual website so they see you they see their website like there's no they hear their actual um, name and they hear their business name being said by you so there's no doubt that this video was made for them. And you'll get, you know, a much higher response rate than, and, in, in in most cold mass cold emails, they're going to be, you know, a lot less that you can send out obviously because they, they take more time, but, uh, they can be a lot more effective in many ways.
2: Yeah. You know, when I think about marketing and acquisition, I would always pick the, um, more difficult, more expensive, but way higher value functions over, Hey, this is cheap and I can get lots of it, but it, it doesn't really produce a lot of results. I think that's a common. For sure.
1: Like, for sure. It's like buying leads versus, you know, a lead generation system that is it's more targeted. It's going to cost more, but more targeted.
2: For sure. In fact, I think some of our best leads have been exponentially more expensive, but, you know, they convert at such a higher rate. They buy so, so much but such better things. It's, it's not even a competition on what the actual cost per conversion is and the return on investment is it's usually silly. (laughs) Cool. Okay. And so, um, do you have any other advice at this point for, you know, people that are agencies or freelancers or, you know, things that you'd like to share with them just open-ended?
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, so for me personally, um, in my own growth story, I, you know, I worked for a company that, um, really, really did not value me and the work that I did back in 2015. And I knew that I was worth so much more. And I knew that I could, you know, I could help so many more people and have such a bigger impact than just sitting in this office chair and only doing, you know, marketing for this one little company. Um, And You know, I felt that in my gut and I was really happy that I I did follow my gut and and started my own thing, even though at the time it felt really scary to do so. Like it felt like, you know, everything I've been taught since I grew up, like, you know, you want your health insurance, you know, you want that steady paycheck and like the the paycheck and the health insurance, that's security, right? And I learned really quickly uh that that was not true. Like I started my company, I my had a really short I had a really goal, a short goal of I want to make double my income at the you know at the salary job in retainer clients and once i hit that goal then i felt confident enough to tell my boss what i was doing and after i told my boss what i was doing the worst case scenario was they say uh you're fired and you can't do that here Uh, and so i was prepared for them to fire me by having my double salary in retainers at that point but it was my hope that they would retain me as my next client essentially and let me not work in the office anymore so i went in with this big pitch of uh you can pay me this is my pitch i thought it was actually really good i said you can pay me half of my salary which was already really small but you can pay me half of my salary in retainer form and get all of the work that i'm already providing you so less no benefits you have to pay You keep half of my salary and you get all my work. The only thing you have to give up is me sitting in that seat nine to five every single day. And to me, it was like slam dunk. This is so, there's no way that they can say no to this. It's an amazing offer. It's a rationalized
2: pitch, not an emotional pitch. That's
1: the point. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And to me, I'm like, this makes so much sense. Like, the numbers are amazing for them. It makes so much sense. Right. And uh, this is pre COVID. Like, this is like boomers run the world and you know you're in the office and that's just that and if you're not sitting in the office then you're not getting any work done that's the mentality right and so i i i came in i did my pitch or whatever and my boss was offended how dare i do anything with my time other than work for them like i i I'm being paid an entire $45,000 a year for this. <laughs> I better, I better respect their time. Right. And so I just like, I'm sitting here listening to it. And so she ended up giving me an ultimatum at the end of it and saying, you can either stay here and work for us and give up. So Be viral, or you can, you know, continue on with, so Be viral and, and we'll part ways. And obviously I, I stayed with Sophie Viral. Uh <laughs> and yeah. I and for those I of you that are listening to
2: audio, he motioned to his, you know, quick funnels have two comma, I believe, right? I'm yeah two comma.
1: Yes. Uh my 10 million award up there. Um yeah. so I I stayed with Sophie Viral and I'll tell you, walking out of that office that day was probably one of the best days of my life. Like it just like felt like this huge you know, weight had been released off of me and that, that I just, right? I mean, oh it's... it was
0: amazing.
1: It was amazing. <laughs> like it was like ecstasy. It was amazing. So I, I left there and here's the the best part of this whole story is two months later, just two months, I get a call from uh the other person that was in marketing at that at this little company. And she goes, Tether, you are not gonna believe what just happened. And I said what? And she goes, the owner who lived down in Brazil came up, came in, and told all ten of us there's only ten employees at the time—that the company is closed, uh, the everyone is laid off, and uh, it turns out that the other owner was like embezzling money, and like, it was it was a giant like sham, and we were working in this like company that was like not real. And, and no one knew all the way up to like the COO who had just got us into Target and just got us into CVS, into Walgreens, on shelves, everything. Like it was just turned out, unplug, you're all fired. Sorry, bye. And wow. I'm just sitting here listening to this. and I'm going, oh my God. If I had stayed and gave up my clients and said, I'm this is what I'm going to do. I would be like kicking myself. So, yeah. my advice with this story is to follow your gut because uh, even when it seems like it might not be the right thing to do or the opposite of what security may feel, if you are feeling driven to start your own business and do your own thing and take control of your own life, and your gut is telling you that, then it's the right path. Go, go do it.
2: That's such a wonderful story, man. I, I'm so glad that you shared it. And, and you know, one of these days we can have a chat because I have a kind of a, you know a similar story of. When you feel it, you feel it. It's like it's in your bones when you know that you're not doing the the right thing or the right role, the right company at the right time. Like, there's just something off, right? Like, it's it's not in alignment with what you know you're capable of or what you feel your true calling is. And, and getting in alignment with that can be scary, right? I mean, like, you know, for me, was having to tell my, you know, two-month girlfriend, now wife, but her, you know or her dad, who's like been the same kind of doctor for his entire career and telling him, Hey, by the way, I quit my job, you know, that has all those benefits to go, yeah. you know, do work for a best-selling author and speaker, and maybe try to do my own thing for a while and see how it goes, you know, and, and, and he, re- he recalls it differently, but he's, you know, at the time I felt like I was getting looked at like a total deadbeat, right? Like what kind of idiot yeah. makes these decisions, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, but, but you can feel it and, and making that leap while it can be scary you, you, you really proved a point, right? Like, I, I, I glad that you pulled attention to it at the beginning of the story about the perceived security of a regular paycheck and health insurance. And, right. you know, what is the, it? It's not really secure. It's, it's sort of like we're lulled into this false sense of security oftentimes about, well, the same money shows up, you know, every Friday, every other Friday, whatever interval it is. And, yeah. you know, I've got health insurance if things really go wrong, but if, if, if things really go wrong, it's the business is unplugged and you're out of a job and you're starting over with no warning, you know, and, um, hopefully you have some savings, you know, but the average American doesn't. Um, so yeah,
1: really, I find you, true uh, security is having multiple clients all paying you because the chances of all of your clients deciding on the same day to, to fire you are just like almost impossible. Like it's not going to happen. Um, now you may have one or two clients that decide to pull the plug on one day, but you, all of them, 100 of your of your income, no, it's not going to happen. That's why having you know multiple clients is way more security at the end of the day than having one job, because that one job is your one client. And you know everyone that worked at this company that I worked for thought that they were on a rocket ship to the moon because they were dangling like they were paying us nothing. Like I said, my whole forty five thousand dollars a year, they were dangling these carrots of you're going to get stock options. We just got into target. We just got into CVS. We just got into Walgreens. And you know, you guys are the first 10 people here at this company. We're going to, you, we're not going to give you a, a raise, but we're going to give you stock options. And you know, the first 10 people at, at Facebook are now all millionaires, da, 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 like all these little carrots that they would dangle. Right. And so these people that stayed in this company, like they felt so secure and their future was so set. And then all it took was this guy to walk in the office that day and say, it's over.
2: Yeah, they didn't realize that the, the toilet paper in the bathroom was more valuable than the stock options. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly.
2: Yeah, that's you know, I, I think that story is like you know not only a reinforcement of sort of my own personal beliefs, but like hopefully people hear that and they realize like you know take a real evaluation of like where they're at if if they're in a normal job and 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 normal jobs are great like. If it's a good fit for you and it's a good company and you enjoy what you're doing and you're well compensated, have at it. But I think so many people, especially in this sort of transition of generations who's running the show, being more open to, is the value happening for me? Does they really have to be a W2 employee sitting in one chair at one desk? Probably not. And then the uneasiness right now, you know, you start hearing right now at this point and 2022, you know, towards the end here about, you know, hearing about the, the companies that, that were the rocket ships, right? The, the Facebooks, the Apples, the Amazons of the world are all saying, mm, we're going to cool hiring. We're actually going to reduce some staff. We're going to make some decisions. You know, it may yeah. be a rocket ship. You just might not have a ticket for the ride.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <So, laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Uh, this has been awesome. I, I think that there's a lot of interesting things, things for people, People to think about whether they're a freelancer or they're an agency looking to break through, or they're looking for that you know to, to kick things off as sort of an initial, you know, first sort of business opportunity and and not in like the you know scammy work from home and you know run Excel sheets, but like a true like I want to build a business, but I don't necessarily have all the pieces. Yeah, and giving them a, sort of a, a blueprint about what they can do uh, on the next steps. If if someone was interested in in learning more about you know what you brought up today or getting more information or getting in touch with you, what's the best way to do that?
1: Yeah. So the best way to do that is to go to sobeviral.com. So that's S-O-B-E-V-I-R-A-L.com. And on there, you're going to see, you know, testimonials, clients that we've worked with and and different, you know, case studies. And then also there'll be an apply button on there. If you tap that apply button, it'll take you over to our funnel. There'll be lots of information about us and what we do. Uh, And if it seems like a good fit, go through that and we'll talk to you on the other side.
2: Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to do that, especially even if you already have an existing business and you're thinking about maybe bolting on some services, right? Because I think um, oftentimes there's good expansion opportunity about like, hey, I do this one thing really, really well, but I know that our customer also needs X, Y, and Z, right? That, yeah. That's usually an interesting area to, to just basically bolt on revenue. And yeah. I think it's awesome that you, because for me personally, like that, that would be my biggest question is how do I get high quality people that are pre-vetted that I can basically white label and, and do. So that's that's an amazing service you offer and that's certainly valuable. So go check it out, uh, even if you have an existing business or especially if you're one of the three categories you talked about. Thank you so much for your time and uh, looking forward to chatting soon.
1: Thank you.
0: That's going to be it for today's episode. If you're ready to take your agency to the next level and have your leads, your team and your sales all done for you, then apply now at dfy-agency-program.com scale. That's dfy-agency-program.com scale. There will be a clickable link in the podcast show notes below. See you in the next episode of the Digital Marketing Agency Builders podcast.